All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Agents of Comic Book Podcast. I am Paul Christian. And I am Eric Jackson. That's right. And we're here doing more. Uh, well, actually, we're doing The Watchmen like we finally said we would. Uh, we wanted to wait till the show was farther along just so we could uh, cover more of the show at once. Just yeah, so, getting her started. Just because we wanted to actually know like what was happening in the show before we started talking about it. Yeah, because the first early episodes, you really don't know where they're headed yet. Right. So uh, we also wanted to bring on a guest, uh, Josh Doyle from our Let's Play channel that we do. is uh, going to join us for this three-part series to talk about The Watchmen. So have yep. you, have you, welcome, Josh. Hi. <laughs> yep. I never know hi. what to say. Like, hi I, is I a get, good like, start. I get fantastic introductions, and I'm like, hi. Yeah. I mean, hi is a good start. It's better than uh, bye. Uh, but if, yeah, if this is your first time joining us, usually what we'll do is every week we review and discuss one comic book, one arc, one complete story. And then after that, we usually watch and discuss a movie or TV show based on that same character, just so we can kind of compare the two. Uh, so we've been working through both stuff that's on TV and being released right now and also going back and doing some stuff that we missed. Uh, like last week, we did a Blackest Night and a Green Lantern episode. <laughs> I was going to say, this one was refreshing because the thing we got to watch was actually good. Right. So, uh, so yeah, because we, we just got done doing a bunch of fan requests, which were a lot of fun because people were sending us requests on Twitter and Gmail. Yeah, because so far we've had Batman, Batwoman and uh, Green Lantern to watch. Right, so, so that's been good. not not the most stellar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're we're done with the fan request. Now we brought Josh in uh, because he's here to break my fans. Yes. Uh, on, the, <laughs> on the way setting up this uh, this recording, we were moving a bunch of chairs into my yep. recording studio, and he broke my fan. My I came in, in and I was See, like, "Fuck that thing!" And I threw a chair at it. it it's kind of did WWE style. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I have to do that every time too when I move my chair in, and but the fans is usually off. So, but I've definitely bumped like the ceiling fan. But I'm like, "Oh, thank God that was off." Yeah, but you had. <laughs> You had the gentle touch. Josh came in with his fucking yeah. Superman arms. Yeah. Like a boosh. Yeah, but you, if you didn't Hulk it, it'd be fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And if you do want to leave a request, we do always take fan requests. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon over at Agents of Comic Book on Patreon, you can... Uh, it's only at the $5 level to leave a request, and so you can choose mm -hmm. what comic book and what movie we watch for that whole week. Uh, we'll read and watch anything. As long as the two, as long as there's like one character in common, yeah. uh, we'll do that. So that's what we were doing all week is we were doing fan requests. So like they requested we watch Green Lantern. They requested we watch. Oh, God. They just wanted you to suffer, didn't they? Yeah. Well, that that's what. <laughs> hey, we made you watch it, or a lot of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You came over while we were watching yeah, it. Yeah, like halfway through. Yeah. So you had to suffer as well. True. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, that that's the, that's what you get, though. I mean, if you're going to pay $5, I think you, you should be able to make us watch or read anything you want. I oh, think. yeah. Well, I'm for sale. That's right. You can you can buy us. My viewing torture is for sale. Uh, but yeah, if you want to leave uh, or if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Agents of Podcast. You can also leave your requests there or just talk to us. We always tweet about what comics we're reading and just a whole bunch of shit on there as well. Uh, you can follow us. Or if you want to send us mail, we always read mail uh, on the podcast as no, well. Yeah. Uh, Agentsofcomicbook at gmail.com if you want to tell us what you're reading or what you thought about the books we're reviewing. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to be talking about the Watchmen book. We're going to be talking about uh, all 12 issues of the original run first. And then this is going to be a three-part series. Uh, we're going to do the next two parts of this are going to be actually Doomsday Clock, the Jeff John story uh, that follows up on the Watchmen. Very yeah. kind of a controversial story, but that's why I think it'll be fun to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Got, there's a lot of interesting things about it. Yeah, we're in a, a rare time where there's actually two Watchmen sequels happening at the same exact time. It's bizarre. Oh, yeah. After, like, Watchmen, like, just hasn't had anything happen for, like, you know, 10 or 15 years, and then all of a sudden it's like we're getting two sequels. And now they're going to end at the same time, too. Yeah, they're going to end the same week, which is, it's going to be but interesting to cover Has there that. been any news? Are they just doing one season of Watchmen? I, I, there's only one season of Watchmen that Lindelof is doing, at least. Okay. So, I, I don't know what they're going to do after that. Maybe they'll continue it. Yeah, we'll see. I kind of just like them to wrap it up. That'd be cool. I think one season's enough. Uh, yeah, so so today we're going to uh, review the 
first 12 issues of Watchmen, the original stuff, just so that way we kind of have a baseline. Yeah. Uh, we can kind of give our background on the comic and like kind of where we picked up on it, because we all read this a while ago. Because I'm sure most people know mm-hmm. it, but you never know who hasn't. Exactly, yeah. So I don't want to do too, like, kind of like how, because usually what we'll do if, you, if you're just joining us for this is we'll like kind of walk through the plot of each story as well, so that way even if you haven't read the book, you yeah, can still- Yeah, the main points. Yeah, so that way if you haven't read the book, you can still follow along with us. Yeah. But I mean, if you haven't read Watchmen, you really should just go read it yourself. Don't, like, us talking about it, there's not going to be any replacement of you reading it no uh like it's definitely something you should go read yourself so with Watchmen, I mean, a lot of us read this a long time ago. I think I read this back in high school. This was actually probably the first comic book that I read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of the first for me. What, what was this? Literally the first comic book you guys read? I I don't I don't want to say it's the first, but it's the first one that stuck out for sure. Yeah, it was definitely the first one I read. I remember reading it. I didn't completely understand the ending either, so I had to ask someone yeah, else same. to explain it to me, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first time I was just like, oh, they just like brought in a giant squid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Was. Like, that's it. Spoilers. Like, like I said, guys, oh, yeah. <laughs> you should read this comic before you listen to this. I knew oh, yeah. I liked it, but I didn't know why I liked it. But now I know it's because it. Uh, it's just different. Yeah, that, that's why and, yeah. it originally catches on with people, yeah. I think, is because you're like, whoa, like I didn't know comics could like actually do this. Be exactly. This, like, be yeah. this grounded. Mm-hmm. That's that's what got me in reality because I was so sick of Superman and Spider-Man and all that. I, I, it I, didn't I, feel grounded <laughs> enough for me. But... Yeah, no, I, mean, I know. I know. <laughs> I just I just made a bunch of enemies. Right. right. Including some at this table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it was the first time I ever saw like a comic book that you know, kind of flip the whole superhero thing on its head. Right. And that's kind of what Alan Moore said he wanted to do with this comic. Yeah. And because he, he, he said that, he, like, you know, he just wanted to show other writers, like, you don't have to do everything the same all the time. Like, yeah, you can, exactly. You can take 12 issues to kind of tell a different story mm. and then just, like, let that be it. Um, unfortunately, writers kind of took, like, the wrong lesson from this book after that <laughs> because everyone kind of looked at Watchmen and they were like, whoa, people want dark and edgy. Here yeah. we go. Yep, exactly. And, like, almost crashed a lot of, of the comic book industry, like, in the years after that. Yeah, it was, like, an edgy effect. Yeah, so that was, uh, unfortunately, people got the wrong message from it. But if you take <laughs> Watchmen in a vacuum, it's an extremely good comic. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, not every comic shouldn't be like Watchmen. No. But, because, uh, watch, because I mean, at least for me, Watchmen was the first comic book that I read, or at least uh, the first one that I remember reading. Uh, and then that kind of got me into reading comic books in general. That's kind of where I got my start reading comics altogether is because for a long time, Watchmen was the only comic book I had read, period. Yeah. And I just kind of had that on my shelf, and I was like, oh, okay, that was cool. Then I saw Doomsday Clock, was star- or DC Rebirth was starting, and it, it's something I look back on now and I'm not a huge fan of, but it actually did pull me on to reading DC Comics and then on to Marvel Comics and comics in general. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I looked at, like, the they announced that, like Doctor Manhattan and the Watchmen and, and shit was crossing over with DC Comics, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I, I, I got to check that out." So I, I went to the comic book store and picked up that DC Rebirth issue number one. Okay, and then that's where like Doctor Manhattan first showed up, and Batman finds the button. Yep, yeah, I remember when that came out. You like texted me that picture of the button. Right. Yeah, so I, I went to the store and picked that up, and then like they were kind of relaunching all of DC Comics at that time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna pick up some of these other books," and then I picked up, uh, which De- is the thing you learned happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they like to re uh, relaunch their their whole line. They I like heard to do continuity that. is something they love. I mean, Rebirth wasn't a full reboot, but it was enough. Like it was enough of like just kind of like a return to normalcy that it made like a really good jumping on point for new fans. Okay. So even if Rebirth didn't end up being like a bunch of perfect books, it ended up being like a great jumping on point. Especially for I mean, like I'm, I'm grateful for it just because I like it, it. Actually, pulled me on. Even if all the books, like I found other good books because of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think. 
Deathstroke and Green Lanterns were the first two books I picked up, and those ones kind of started me reading comics in general. Like, I, Deathstroke, I think, just ended last week as we're recording this. Oh, okay. So, like, and so I'm, I'm still keeping up on that book, so. Hmm. So I'm really grateful for all that. So I mean, if nothing else, Watchmen pulled me into the rest of it. Yeah. So, so this will be an interesting book to finally talk about here on the podcast. Um, but the general setup of Watchmen, uh, just to kind of go over it in just a couple sentences here, is there's these former superheroes, almost kind of like the Justice Society in in the DC Comics universe, just these old school heroes who have since, like back in the 40s and the 50s, who have since been outlawed by what's called the Keen Act, mm-hmm. uh, which outlaws a bunch of superheroes. Uh, there's still some who act. I mean, mainly just Rorschach. Yeah, because um, he I mean, he's a psychopath he's kind he, of a loser. Yeah, he's also a, a stinking loser, literally yeah. stinking. Yeah. yeah. Loves showers. Crawls around in garbage. He's basically Charlie from It's Always Sunny if he was like a <laughs> <Yep>. racist. <laughs> yeah. um, but the whole thing starts out as basically a murder mystery, which is kind of cool because it opens up with the comedian who is one of these former superheroes, also like a, a Vietnam war criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets murdered by a, a mysterious Yeah, he's assailant. pretty irredeemable. Oh, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he's bad. He's a bad man. Yeah. And he gets murdered by this mysterious man who, I mean, like I said, we're going to go over all the spoilers who we find out later yep. is Adrian Veidt. Yep. Um, because what starts out as a murder mystery ends up being more of a political kind of espionage story. Yep. Um, because this story, we should point out as well, takes place in the 1980s in the midst of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, so new, they, they count down multiple times. Like, we're like five minutes to Doomsday. Like, nukes could launch at any minute. Like, Dude, I wish we still had the Doomsday clock. It was such a cool, like, sim. I mean, it's, like, archaic as all hell, but, like, <laughs> yeah. it, it was kind of metal. It'd well, be nice if it was, like, a sunny day. Like, oh, there's no Doomsday today. <laughs> yeah. well, what we, well, now we have the color. Are we still on the color system? Oh, I have no idea. Like, oh, like, I remember the, that. It happened after 9-11. Yeah, 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 where it's, like, uh, it's either yellow or orange or red. I never understood the purpose of that, other than, you know, just being careful. It was just saying like terror. It was the terror threat. So like, yeah. if it was orange, but, there was a decent chance there could be a terrorist. Yeah, attack but like, how much how much panic it are you was, gonna incite with that? It was you know? all like, yeah, it, it seems like a bad helpful. idea. Yeah, yeah. like, like oh, okay, public. we should be freaked out this week. You know, like. Anything could go wrong. Uh, so, so most of the comic kind of follows. I mean, Rorschach kind of starts out the murder mystery because most people don't really care that the comedian died. They're like, oh, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, probably. you don't even know him. <laughs> yeah, everyone. And like, I think uh, Lori even points out, he's like, oh, she's like, oh, couldn't it happen to a nicer guy? Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Rereading through this, I think the Dr. Manhattan parts were probably my favorite uh, chapters to go back through because his point of view is kind of more unique than the other characters. Yeah. Because a lot of this story, it's it's interesting, because this is one of the stories I've reread the most, but it's not actually, it's not the kindest re- story I'd usually reread, because it's kind of like depressing and bleak. Yeah, it's and, really dark. And even, <laughs> and even in the end, there's like no good solution. Like both sides are just like, well, we're fucked. Even Dr. Manhattan's like, uh, you guys are in some serious shit. I'm leaving. But I think one of the reasons why this is like, you know, constantly rereadable is just because every character has like a really unique point of view and a way of talking. Because uh, there's a lot of, of stories that try to balance a lot of characters where everyone else kind of has like the same voice. And so it's interesting when you get like, because each issue in this, not each issue, but a lot of issues are from different characters' points of view, like even mm-hmm. the internal monologue. Yep. So that's why when I like point out the Dr. Manhattan issues, like just hearing his way of talking about like, you know, how he understands time. Uh, and all that is just like really cool because I think that's one of the main things that like picked me up on this comic reading it for the first time is like how Dr. Manhattan talked and like kind of just giving me like a cool understanding of like metaphysics and like how he moves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like even reading comics nowadays, I'll always just like I kind of use him as a reference point. I'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, OK, this character's kind of like Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rereading this, there were a couple characters I was like mainly interested in kind of like retouching on and relearning more about that I 
didn't have a, a good memory of last time reading it. I wanted to learn more about like Dr. Manhattan and uh, Adrian Veidt. Those were two characters I was really paying attention to on the reread this time. Mm-hmm. Um, because Mainly just because they kind of play a bigger part in the show as well. Um, really, because really the only three characters from the main story that play part in the show are like Manhattan, Vite, and then Laurie. Yeah, and it's interesting. The show is kind of giving me like I'm kind of mixing, you know, personalities from the show and the book. So it, and like with Vite especially, and I, I kind of hear his voice like as Jeremy Irons now. And I don't mind that. And, and <laughs> like when I first read Watchmen back in the day, and like up until the show and all that, I I guess I didn't. Like, obviously, I knew Adrian Veidt was a super pretentious, like, egomaniac, but I never pictured him as, like, a super, like, just brash, like, just, like, dick, basically. Oh, I kind of <laughs> There's There's a bunch of, like, chapters in while rereading this where he just goes on and on about, like, how smart he is and comparing himself to, like, different world leaders. That's true. And I, and I feel like, I don't know if it's just because I have it more emphasized, but in Doomsday Clock especially, too, he's a lot more like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's I'm sure he's gotten a lot crazier and, like, more, like, eagle like crazy like yeah. since everything happened because he's like i went out to the deserts where alexander conquered and oh, ha- yeah. had a vision in the in the sands and I'm <laughs> yeah like, that's okay, true man, chill. Yeah. yeah um but one thing I, I was really interested in too is uh there's some things i picked up rereading it this time which really there's i don't think there's any way you could pick up on the first time reading it because they as far as the alien at the end that uh the vite uses to kind of stage the alien attack on all the cities yeah they set up all of that really interestingly, actually, because there's little parts as you read the book that aren't really explained where there's this uh, this movie, this Max Shea, he's this like horror movie writer. Mm-hmm. And there's also this like uh, artist woman who's like d- drawing like and you see her drawings. It's literally the squid monster. She's really? like designing it. Huh. Uh, and she's like, this is one of my best works. Like I've done some fucked up shit in my time. Like, oh, but this yeah, is awesome. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's like, I've created something really fucking metal this time. (laughs) You see them designing this monster, and you even see, like, a tarp, like, on a beach. Like, and there's, like, people going inside of it, and, like, you're not allowed to see what's in there. Hmm. And, like, she mentions, like, like, oh, it's turning out really nicely. Like, they think they're just, like, making this movie prop. They don't know, like, what's being formed in there is actually, like, alive. Oh. Um, Yes, a lot of those parts I don't remember. Right. So they they do really set up that, like, Vite is, or you don't even know it's Vite at this point, but you just know something (laughs) fucked up is happening. Like, they're making some kind of monster. Uh, and then he even points out, like, in the final issue, like, how he made the thing, where, and Josh, you pointed this out to me uh, mm-hmm. when you were rereading it, and I didn't no- notice this the first time, um, that it has, like, uh, there's, like, a mind of a psychic that he uh, goes to, he, like, he literally goes to a morgue and, like, cuts the psychic's brain out, and then at the funeral, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just imagine them opening it up, and he just has, like, an, an empty bowl of a head, like, right. like just like, oh, hello. <laughs> And what luck, though, that a psychic died. Oh, actually, no, that was probably planned. Yeah, he was. So, did he have this dude killed? Probably. Um, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I would. I yeah. would imagine so. It's that definitely reasonable. Yeah, that would that would definitely fit the bill. Oh yeah. Um, because he he's he kills a lot of people trying to do. Yeah, this. stages his own assassination. Yeah, that part's kind of interesting. Well, yeah, he's he's got to save millions of lives, right? Oh yeah, yeah he's yeah. what a hero. Yeah, right. What, what's a few thousand deaths or whatever? How many was it? Did they even say three million? Oh, it's a lot. It's like yeah, three yeah. million, it, and then lots, all the residual. Lots, lots. Yeah. Yeah, but, exactly. But in his eyes, it's all worth it because, you know, the world doesn't end. So. And, well, that's, yeah. and that's what I think is interesting, too, because at the end, that's what he says. He's like, I did the right thing in Manhattan, didn't I? Like, I, like in the end, I, it all worked out. He asks him? I don't remember. Yeah, that. he 
does. And then wow. Manhattan says, like, in the end, nothing ever ends, Adrian. And then he fucks off. Yeah. And then Adrian's like, wait, what does that mean? Yeah, he's like, that's not a clear answer. <laughs> Why would you do that? And, yeah. I, and Dr. Yeah. Manhattan's point is like, yeah, you saved, like, you might have saved, like, the earth today. For now. Yeah, today. But, but like, yeah. You, you paid a huge cost and it might not even fix everything. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there might, honestly, there might have not been a problem in the first right. place. Right. Exactly. Like, it might who, who is he to say, like, that? And that's a really it good point. would have struck midnight and then everybody would have died. You know? Yep. Yeah. And that's kind of Rorschach. That's towards Rorschach's argument. It's like, well, how, who are you to decide that? And then Rorschach's dead. But yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that's a really interesting point because what if, because we, I, I mean, a lot of people say that like we in real life were extremely close to like nuclear war in the oh, Cold yeah. War, but like it, it came within like a hair's, like, yep. like within an inch. You read stories yeah, that, too. That, that, wasn't, isn't there crazy. a story about two Soviet dudes who like there was a false alarm where like, and they could uh, have launched a, nukes, a yeah. station thought for sure that there were nukes coming, but one of the dudes is like, "No, like this might be a fuck up. Like we shouldn't launch these," and like they almost did. And that's what I think is Vite's biggest fuck up, and that that's why I'm glad you brought that up, Josh, is because uh, like it could have just turned out like our world. Yeah. In our world, we came extremely close to nuclear war, but then rational minds prevailed. Right. Well, and we had a lot. Uh, Chernobyl was a big part of that. Because yeah. that, that was when it really started to decay and everyone saw how like weak the Human Soviet Union can, actually was. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's a really interesting point because Veidt's like, it's going to happen. Like, I have to do this no matter what. It's like, well, if you didn't, like, maybe we could have saved everybody. Yeah, right, exactly. you didn't need to kill millions of people for right. no yeah. And yeah, so, that, so that, that's why I think that part at the end where uh, Manhattan comes up to him and he's like, nothing ever ends, Adrian. Like, you'll just have to decide yourself. Like, we'll just have to see. And, and he's like, oh my, like, what? Mm. And I think every, and that's why I think Dr. Manhattan's role at the end is very interesting, I think, because he has that whole interaction where he's on Mars with Lori and he's pretty much given up on humanity. And he's like, why should I care what they do? Like, they don't like me. Like, I'm just going to fuck off. Yeah. And Lori and Lori's just like kind of pleading with him. And Dr. Manhattan almost realizes it himself because he's kind of telling Lori things about herself using his powers. Yeah. And he, he reveals to her that her father is the comedian. And then he, he basically makes the point where like. Like, like, there's no reason at all why, like, your parents, like, they they were never meant to, like, you know, have a kid together. Like, they weren't soulmates. Mm-hmm. But against all odds, they did. And against all the odds, like, all the all the eggs in her body and all the sperm in his body, like, all, like, you were the one that survived. You were the one that was born. Yeah. Like, that's a miracle. It's like turning lead to yeah. gold. The right. impossible happened. Yeah. Right. And then, and then one of my favorite lines in, in that whole issue, because I think issues four and nine are, like, all about Dr. Manhattan, and those are my two favorite issues. Mm-hmm. Nine is the one we're talking about. Because the, the line right at the end of that is... Um, because Laurie says, well, if that's a miracle, couldn't you say that about, like, anyone on, on Earth? And he's like, yes, exactly, anyone on Earth. And I'm like, yep. oh, that's a great line. Like, he's finally, like, realizing, like, oh, like, I should fight for these people. Right. Um. So I think like that... It, and, like, you used to be one, dude. Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So that's why um I, I think that, like... At least my take on it should be like Dr. Manhattan from this point on should have like a little more warmth exactly. or at least a little more understanding or a desire to want to like create and do good, mm-hmm. which it does kind of seem like he does, even if at the end he sides with Vite just because he doesn't want to stir more shit. It's just another lesser of two evils yeah, type he, deal. He's, he's His decision at the end is basically like, I'm just not going to stir the pot. I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because it's like, well, I don't I, mean, I don't agree that like this new society should be based on a lie, but I also don't want this lie to be exposed like this early and have another fallout like immediately after. Right, because he tells Laura 
story, like you made me realize the value of human life. I'm not just going to show up here and, and kill everybody. Like, yeah. I'll just leave. Yeah. And, and one interesting thing he says is when he's leaving is he talks to Vite and he's like, Vite's like, well, I, wait, you're leaving? Like, I thought, you know, Lori told you about all about the value of human life and like you cared all of a sudden. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm going to leave this world for one less complicated, which I think is an interesting line. Well, and then does he say like, I, I might try like making my own or whatever? That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I, and, he, and then Vite says, well, didn't you say you knew the value of life now? And he's like, yeah, I think I'll create some. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, right. That would be awesome. So to basically see. my take on it is Dr. Manhattan reali- like realizes like he's like, the earth is too complicated. I don't, I can't fix yeah, this. Yeah. Like no one can fix these problems. Yeah. Or at least it shouldn't be me. Yeah. Like I'm like, I, if I fixed it, I'm, it's just going to be totally different. Well, anyway. like he saw what happened with Vite, like Vite tried so hard to fix things and look what the fuck happened to him. Right. So it's like, I don't want, I don't want any of this. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so he goes, and my take on it is basically he just goes to another universe and basically is God mm-hmm. and like just tries to do his best. Maybe he doesn't do well, but yeah, I'm sure he had a few trial and errors, um, which is kind of where I was hoping doomsday clock was going. Like maybe he kind of created a pocket of the DC universe, but well, we won't talk about it this week, but yeah. I, I, it wasn't really that take because Dr. Manhattan, he kind of shows up initially trying to stop the attack. Um, but then eventually once he sees what, what fight's doing, he just decides not to do anything. I guess he does do something because he does even go outside as Rorschach's trying to leave. Yeah. And Rorschach's like, no, we have to do something. Like, I'm not going to let, you know, Vite do yeah. this. Like, I'm going to spread the word. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't get about Manhattan is he has rules for himself. And like, he doesn't like he won't interfere with free will or true love, I think, is another one, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just his rule. Almost for, like genie then, rules. Yeah. yeah but yeah. then he, he like breaks them. I mean, not a lot. But he'll he break does. them every once in a while, and it's just, it's weird. They, he, yeah, where he draws that line. Yeah, and I can't figure out why he draws it where he draws it and why he breaks it when he breaks but it. But he does kind of move the line, too. Like, I think at a certain point he wouldn't have considered creating life, but as we mentioned, like, right. he does... Uh, he does like decide yeah, at the end, the end to yeah. go create life. Yeah. So he does. I think he's probably breaking all the rules at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, one one thing about Laurie, I wanted to point out too uh, in the ending is there is a cool line in uh, Damon Lindelof. I was listening to his podcast on the Watchmen show. He kind of does like it's only two episodes right now. I think there's only going to be three in the end, but he kind of gives some background. It's almost like director commentary. Yeah, on the that's show. cool. Uh, and, and he pointed out one line at the end I wanted to keep an eye out for rereading it this time, which was Lori, like one of her, I think it's actually her last line in the book, where she's leaving her mom's house with Dan uh, at the end. And, yeah. And she's like, well, I, what are we going to do? Like, I, like all, all we like doing is crime fighting, so let's just go back to crime fighting. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I think I'm going to change my costume. Like, I'm going to go all leather with a mask, and I, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to buy a gun. <laughs> so like uh, so that's foreshadowing yeah and Lindelof kind of lo- th- like thought about that he's like oh that's like his take on it was basically like oh it's interesting it's almost like she's subconsciously becoming more like Blake mm-hmm. uh, and that's why he, that's why he chose to have her go by Lori Blake in the show and then like she and then in the show she ends up becoming a, like an FBI agent yeah, so with, she carries a with gun, a gun yeah. yeah and she becomes very skilled with it apparently yeah apparently she's a sharpshooter <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, so we just wanted to kind of break down a little bit of our of our thoughts, at least you know stuff we picked up on the reread this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that well, mainly what we wanted to cover for Watchmen? Uh, because re- I mean, it's especially fun going back and like because like I said, we have two Watchmen sequels right now, so it's interesting going back and being like, who adapted this better? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have my answer. I, I definitely <laughs> have my answer. Uh, it's not Doomsday Clock. No, <laughs> I'm saying that. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff Johns. 
No, but uh, yeah, so what we're going to do for this is the first part of our Watchmen series. We're going to do three in a row here. Uh, so we're going to discuss probably the first four episodes of the show coming up next, just to kind of like go into the, the beginning of it, catch up a little bit. Uh, and then next week we'll discuss uh, the next three or four. And then for the third one, we'll discuss the finale. And then okay, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. So going into the show, I was a little bit nervous um, because unlike Doomsday Clock, I was going into this with like, you know, as like kind of with a more of an understanding and like a, like a respect to like for Watchmen. And like I was like, this can't be adapted for a sequel. Like this should not be done. Like, exactly. unless, you have, unless you have a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know if this is going to be like, like a, a show. Like it's got to be your own thing. Yeah, and that that's mainly what I was worried about is like how watchmany is this going to be? Yep. Um but thankfully Lindelof and he talked about this a lot on on his podcast as well where he was like above all things this has to be wholly original. Mm-hmm. Um like this has to be my own take. It has to be contemporary. Which now that I'm thinking about it right now is kind of cool because Damon Lindelof, people that don't know, he also created The Leftovers, which is one of our favorite which shows. Which I love that yeah. show. And that that show was based off a book, but the book only has the content of the first season so that but the show has three seasons and the second and third season that's all like brand new material oh that is a good point so yeah. this is and almost like, like the second time so his, and yeah. the second and third season like in most people's opinions are the better seasons too so like i, I think they it's pretty obvious damon lindelof knows it's really good at taking source material <laughs> he's and like making the sequel own, man yeah right yeah we gotta have him do like a, a new sequel to something else like <laughs> star wars yeah he could do the do the new star yeah, wars get him instead of <laughs> db weiss and benioff Hey, we got the Mandalorian though. That's a pretty good Star Wars show. Oh yeah, we'll take it. But I think one of the most, one of the more interesting words he used when describing what he wanted to do with the show was contemporary. Because mm. I was like, that's a really good point. Like, because Watchmen when it was coming out, it was like, you know, it was something that was really like politically relevant. Mm. Like it was something fresh in people's minds. Um, so I think that's something that like is really important if you're going to follow it up. It's got to like add something new for the like a modern day take on things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is exactly what this show does because it's all about kind of like racial tensions uh, like across America, and they set it up with. Uh, by kind of going back to the 1920s and showing like one of the worst like uh, r- like racial massacres basically that's ever happened on American soil, yeah. uh, which is the Tulsa massacre of 1921, yeah. uh, which almost sets up this entire show because the show uh, all takes place in Tulsa about the descendants of this massacre. Yeah, it's crazy too because I had never heard of this before. Well, what's crazy is I was listening to a podcast about the Tulsa race massacre. What podcast? Um, see, um, it's either American Scandal or American History. It's done by the same guy. It's either American Scandal or American History Tellers. Oh, cool. okay. It's re- it's really good if you want to listen to it. But like, I list- I literally listened to that like a week or two leading up to that show and like i watched that episode and i was like holy shit this is what i just listened to about oh yes yeah because i remember when we were watching it you were like oh i know what this is yeah like like, what and like and they did a really good job of like showing what happened to like all that was pretty damn accurate but i'm glad this was in this because it's almost like it's such a huge event i'm like how have i never heard of this well it's crazy well the it really didn't get declassified like all the information didn't get declassified till about the 90s and like the official report didn't happen until 2001 i want to say so like like growing up I'd, I'd be interested to see if i wonder if they teach us in schools now because when we were in school growing up this wouldn't have been in textbooks yeah it, it definitely really, should be not a lot of people knew about it but right. yeah this should a lot of people everyone should know about this story because it's insane right because it kind of sets up uh these are because we deal with like kind of like the grandparents or the great grand or the grandkids or the great grandkids of them because it takes place in modern day like yeah. 2019 yep whereas the original story of Watchmen was in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, so we're kind of in the wake of of Veidt's whole like alien attack and everything which is yeah. really interesting and a lot of cool things about this show is they kind of have callbacks to like the original so and I think it's the first episode 
uh regina king's character is with one of her kids in the car and all of a sudden like uh air raid sirens start going off and all these baby like little tiny squids start falling from the sky that was really interesting and they, they all just kind of just stop the car and just chill they're like whatever and then they just turn the wipers on and drive away so it's like clearly like a normal thing that happens right so that must mean that like vite or maybe um the government is just like continuously dropping vite, these things vite uh he mentioned it like in, oh, that, does he? in that video he shows where it's like uh the message to robert Redford. oh yeah we, we won't cover it in this episode yeah. but i'm glad you brought that up yeah, yeah he, he literally says like we've been keeping up appearances like with uh, the right. squid falls that, okay interesting yep um, but this show, uh, it takes place mainly in Tulsa because the Tulsa massacre kind of sets up why this town is especially on edge. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was there was also like recently, or at least recently in the co- context of the show, um, what was called I think the White Knight. Yep. Where all these cops like their identities got leaked, um, and so these um, white supremacists with uh, like fully armed went to all their houses and started like killing cops or killing whoever they could. Yeah, we should probably mention that in this universe, cops wear masks. Well, I don't know if it's all cops. I think it might just be Tulsa. It's t- no, it's just Oklahoma. Okay, because Oklahoma. that that the the senator, the governor, passed a bill. Right. Okay. Which I think is a really cool like idea. Yeah, it ties in really well with Watchmen too, because yep. it's like now everyone has masks. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's the Watchmen. Yeah, it even goes as far where like some of the cops like are actual like superheroes. Actually. Yeah, like the superheroes are part of the police department. Right, because if you're gonna like some of them, they're like, if I'm gonna wear a mask, like I'm gonna be like you know my own thing. Yeah, and like, then it and then it keeps all like everyone under the same tent like working together. Right, and like they all kind of like, they're on the payroll, you know, they're on the books. Yep. Because uh, like that, that's who our lead character is, Angela Abar. She is the granddaughter of uh, the little boy who survived that Tulsa massacre. Yep. Uh, she goes. She's Sister Knight. She just kind of just like is a badass in this like hood. That uh, yeah. Um, she she kind of looks like a nun, which I don't really it is. get. That's what it. It's based yeah. off of a movie. Shades. It, we'll, we'll cover it in the episodes. Yeah, uh, right. In the next. I must have missed that. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the one you haven't seen yet. Oh, <laughs> well, go figure. It's one that's of the newer all. episodes, but it's supposed to look like a nun. That's why she's well, called yeah, Sister Knight. Well, and if. If you look at the, um, just a random thought, Trent Reznor worked on the uh, soundtrack for this. And the it's music awesome. in this yeah. is amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. That's that one out. of those things you feel like you should know after you hear it. You're like, oh, how did I not know that? Exactly. Like, I, it makes a it, lot of it, sense. Yeah. But um, but like uh, Regina King's character, her that, that's the Nine Inch Nails guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like so, her for those who don't know. her theme for that show a lot. Like when she's doing like her superhero detective stuff, the, the song <laughs> that plays like the title is actually called "A Nun with a Motherfucking Gun." Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Is that that song? It's like doom, doom, doom. Yeah, it's like the really cool. Yeah, that's my favorite song. I love that song so much. I didn't do it justice, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. If you just you can type that in like Spotify and everything, it'll pop. That's a great title for like my favorite song on the show. It's such a good song. (laughs) There's a really good uh, superhero also on the payroll called Looking Glass, played by Tim Blake Nelson, who is uh, a really interesting character because we'll talk more about his origin next week. Yeah, but his power is basically he's like a telepath almost. Yep. Where he wears this like tinfoil mask, yeah. almost like it looks kind of like Rorschach almost. Yeah, it does. Because uh, you can like he, like you can always see your reflection in it, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But it also is almost like he's a psychic wearing a tinfoil mask, which yeah. is kind of a fun thing. <laughs> exactly. Because um, you see him initially where he's like interrogating like one of these white supremacist members, like mm-hmm. and trying to figure out like where their base is. And he's got the, him in what they call like the dome. Yeah. Which is just like this. Ro- it's like an interrogation room. It's like a it's like a planetarium looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> where they he, they just flash pictures that are supposed to like incite different emotions and like when certain pictures flash, he kind of reads their facial movements and. Right. how they react well, to and, it. and if he's like partially a telepath then it's like don't think about elephants yeah exactly there it is yeah oh that like don't think about where your hideout is there it is. <laughs> yeah yep. exactly 
Yeah, so I think that's a really cool take. Mm-hmm. Because he'll he'll be asking him questions and he'll have like a, a like a thing on the screen behind him like showing what it is and it's like you can't help but think about it. Then. Yeah, exactly. And there's also some funny ones in there like uh, Red Scare who who, who has he's a, awesome. He has a Russian accent and he just goes around like like beating people up. I, I just realized he's got like a the Russian tracksuit too. Yeah, yep. he does. <laughs> yeah, the Adidas tracksuit. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> and then we also have Panda who I don't know if he fights, but <laughs> I think he's just like the like. A secretary type like bookkeeper <laughs> it's panda like, he's like the judge he likes he starts all the meetings and like sets like the timetables and like all that like he's just a weird <laughs> maybe dude. but hey you never know when his name is called he'll step up oh, to the the, plate. oh yeah in the line of duty he's all he's all action uh, but the story is set up because this police chief played by uh, John, John Johnson, Johnson yep, yeah. uh, an actor who is uh, Miami really, he's a really great actor. Oh, yeah. he's he awesome. shows up in a bunch of Tarantino movies and stuff we like. Yep. Um, but he gets killed in the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> short-lived. Um, because, yeah, he's kind of the comedian of this show. A little bit, yeah. I mean, there's not as much flashbacks with and him. And he but... turns out to be a piece of shit as well. Yeah. Because yeah, we find out later in the episode he was a member of the KKK. Yep. He kept the uniform stash in his closet. Uh, but that's what kind of brings in, uh, that's what this whole investigation of these first couple episodes is about. It's almost like, like you said, it's like the the comedian murder where yep. now we have the mystery of who killed him. Well, they straight up have a scene where Angela, Regina King's character, goes to Don Johnson's house and finds a, that's where they find the KKK suit. Right. It's like a secret compartment in his closet, just mm-hmm. like Rorschach found yep. in The Comedians. Because we know who killed him right away, because Angela goes in, yep. in the first episode and sees her grandfather in the wheelchair like, yeah, yeah. I killed him. Well, you, you, don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't know it's her grandfather right away, but No, that's but he, t- he says, it, you find out in the next episode, in the yeah. episode two, because yep. she, he makes her go to the, uh, like, the testing place yeah the you, museum so you so you can find out if you qualify for reparations which that has been passed out for members of in this continuity by president redford which is a big reason why there's so much why the racial tensions are a lot higher in, in oklahoma right because yeah. I, I th- as far as i can tell they haven't really expanded on it a lot but as far as i can tell the reparations are only for descendants descendants of, of that crimes, massacre or i think i think it might be like all significant hate crimes i, I think so, i think so yeah so it's something like that where you can qualify if there's like you know been destruction in your family yeah which obviously the racist didn't like that. Right. And they were like, no, like, and the, that's one of the questions that uh, Looking Glass asked him. He's like, should all Americans pay taxes? Yeah. And the guy he's interviewing is like, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> taxes are theft. I mean, I love America. <laughs> Uh, and so this murder also brings in uh, a character who I didn't even see her in the credits, and so I thought this was really interesting, which is Lori from Watchmen. Yeah. She's one of the few characters who actually shows up in this show. Uh, but her role in this is basically, it's kind of like what I brought up when we were re- uh, talking about the book earlier, where at the end of the book, she was like, I think I'm going to buy a gun. Yeah. Uh, so now she's in the FBI actually hunting capes. Like her whole perspective on capes has changed. Okay. I got to I got to bring it up. You got to you got to drop the big blue dildo. <laughs> the blue dildo. The oh, Dr. Yeah. Manhattan dildo. Yeah, uh, Lindelof brought that up on his podcast. Really? Yeah. He was like, you know, I kind of wanted to because I didn't want to like ignore sexuality in my whole comic. Well, no. yeah, he, so he's like, um, I, I just included that as a little bit. But then she puts it away and then she goes and sleeps with her assistant. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. But honestly, though, that thing was ridiculous. Yeah. I that don't thing know, was like two feet. What could that thing do? <laughs> I mean, unless she's been using that for a long time, like that, you'd have to work that in Does there. it like send you into another dimension or something? It had balls. Do you have like extra <laughs> extra dimensional <laughs> orgasms? I hope so, because otherwise that I don't know how it was worth it. I'm in 1969. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but but she, uh, Lori is going by her her dad's name, which is Lori Blake, yeah. which is interesting because she, you'd think she wouldn't be proud of that name, but maybe she's just like, fuck it, I'm going to take ownership of it, I'm going to make it mine. Because mm. um, she's going by Lori Blake, and she's been tasked with solving basically the crime of uh, the police chief's yeah, murder, yeah. and also kind of just diffusing this whole Seventh Cavalry situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, one, th- I really liked when we first get introduced to her because we actually see her hunting one of the capes. They set up oh, like yeah. a fake bake robbery. Yeah. For like, and he's like, "Stop right there, criminal scum." <laughs> yeah, and it's basically it's like a Batman ripoff too. Yeah, he, he looks like Batman. Yep. I even put that in my notes. Yeah, he's just Which, got like gadgets and a black suit, and she just like basically shoots him, and they're like, "Oh, how'd you know he had like a bulletproof suit?" And she's like, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally running away, just shoots him in the back. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, okay, that's one way to take care of it, I guess." Yeah, she's yeah, she's cold blooded, man. Oh yeah, I, she shoots first. She's kind of not redeemable in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's definitely one side of the law. She's become a lot like her dad. Yeah, no, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly what Lindelof's point was. Which, just, actually, now that I think about it, is kind of cool. It's an interesting take, yeah. yeah. Like, even if she doesn't realize it. I mean, I can't blame her for much. Uh, because we see her do that again when, like, uh, a 7th Cavalry member goes to, like, uh, detonate, like, at the at the sheriff's yeah, funeral. Yeah, he's got a bomb vest. Yeah, he's, he basically has, a, like, a, a suicide bomb vest. He sneaks in through the tunnel. And the terrorist, like, runs up and he's, like, going to bomb everyone. He's like, give me Senator Keene or else we're leaving. Yeah. And Senator Keene, like, very suspiciously is like, all right, I'll go right with you, yeah, sir. he's like, absolutely. <laughs> in fact, I, you want to get McDonald's on the way back. Dude, wait. His name's Senator Keene? Yeah. The... The Keen Act. Yeah, he's so I think it's implied that he's like maybe his son. He, that's his son. Okay, probably because gotcha. political families are a big thing. Unless yeah. it's just kind of an Easter egg, just like I think they're pro- they ha- it's probably the same it's gotta family. Be yeah, yeah, it's gonna be like a political family because that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but then what? Well, my point that I wanted to bring up was Laurie just shoots him in the head. He's yeah, like, I don't give a well, shit. Well, he even says like, yeah. I, it's like don't try anything because it's uh, connected to a heart rate monitor. So if I die, it explodes. And at the at the after everything happens, she's just like, oh, I thought he was bluffing. Yeah. A lot of the times they're just bullshitting yeah i mean your statistics probably say you're right but it's probably a 50 this is one of those chances where you were wrong yeah so yeah angela's character like bosses it and like freaking tosses him in the grave and then like throws the kicks the shares yeah Yeah. kicks uh judd's body on top of him yeah and she's probably like well i don't feel too bad about this anymore (laughs) right (laughs) desecrate this body you were a racist Uh, and so uh, a cool dynamic of this show, too, is between Lori and Angela. Yeah. Because she knows Angela as Sister Knight. Like, it's not a secret because she's high enough. Like, she's FBI. Like, yeah. she knows who everyone is and what their identities are. Yeah. And she even goes around, like, making fun of them a lot, too. See, and I know that's kind of what that, – those are the parts that piss me off the most. Like, there's an interaction between Looking Glass and her, and she just keeps calling him Mirror Guy. Yeah. And, and it's like – and he's like, you know it's Looking Glass. And it's like, all right, Mirror Guy. It's just like, okay, what are we, in eighth grade? And you feel bad for him because Looking Glass is, like, kind of a nerd. Right, I know. <laughs> well, he's like he's kind of a crazy person. He, like, lives yeah. in a bunker and, like – Right, he's yeah. like a, He's basically a doomsday prepper. Feel, and you – I mean, he – it's kind of warranted because you find out what happened to him. Like uh, in later episodes, we'll go into it into different. We'll talk episode. about it next week. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so, like I said, Lori and Angela are kind of at odds because she's like, "I know your sister Knight," and like, "I found wheel wheelchair wheel." I found wheelchair tracks at the scene of yeah. the hanging. So it's like something suspicious is going on, don't you think? Yeah. And uh, Angela's like, "No, I don't think." <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> How and, could a man in a wheelchair hang someone? And one of my favorite scenes too is she goes to destroy the wheelchair and oh, like, yeah. get rid of the evidence. And like while she's destroying it, like she gets caught and she turns around <laughs> and the person who catches him is like this guy in like this skin tight 
like rubber suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he, yeah. He starts pouring the oil on himself while running away. Yeah, because he's like running away as fast as he can. He's yeah. like this tall, like you know, twiggy looking guy. Yeah. And Angela's like, "Come back!" And she's booking it. Like she almost has him. Yeah. But then he literally has these like a holster full filled with like it's these, like cooking oil. It's like mustard bottles. Yeah. Like, yeah. Filled with lube. Yep. And he squirts lube all over his body, like with both hands, <laughs> and then like slides in like a slip and slide into the gutter. And yeah. she's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it goes flat as a board, like sliding yeah. on the ground into the gutter. But I f- and like, that hasn't been answered yet. We don't know who the fuck that is. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know who he works for yet. I mean, it's pr- it's got to be a Chekhov's gun. The, you show a guy running in a spandex suit. Oh, Lube Man is going to be the hero of all this. I <laughs> oh think. yeah. Oh dude, he's totally going to be the the day you. Oh, my theory is he's working independently. Lube Man is a big deal in this in oh, this universe. I think he's got to be the master. <laughs> He's the new Dr. Manhattan. I can't he wait. Is. There he better is. be an explanation for that. It's 1969. I'm Lube Man. <laughs> Everybody's lubed. <laughs> we're all lubed and we're all happy. Lori, I heard you have a two-foot dildo. <laughs> yeah, let me help you I with got that. just the ingredient. What kind of lube do you like? I've got all the kinds. <laughs> let me grab my holster. <laughs> Thanks, Lube Man. <laughs> Another job done. <laughs> and then uh, a couple of the two characters we haven't talked about that I just wanted to bring up briefly uh, is... Um, a big one we should probably talk about is Adrian Veidt. Yeah, I love how he is in this show. Because uh, they, they set it up very coyly in the beginning because they don't even say his name initially because they want yep. you to kind of like almost doubt yourself at first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it but is it's Adrian pretty Veidt. obvious. Yeah. He yeah. like literally r- rides up on a horse to like Brahms playing in the background <laughs> like a castle. Yeah, it's very much like the take of Adrian Veidt that we were talking about. Yeah. Where it's like, I went through the desert and I saw a yeah. vision. Yeah. yeah. Like, very, I am important. Very grandiose. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he, we don't know a lot about what's going on with him, but there's a lot of mystery, a lot of questions to answer. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like he's on a mansion by himself, but he with has- two servants. Two servants and multiple servants, but they all look like the same two people. Well, so it, starts like out, it starts out with just two people. Right. Yep. But we find out that they're all clones of like the same two people, yep. essentially, and he keeps making more. Yep. Which, how the fuck does he do that? Well, we see it in the first couple episodes. I know, but how did he get that? Oh, how did he learn to do that? Yeah. Well, he genetically engineered it. You know? Exactly. He's just super smart, so he just figured it out with what he had. But once you learn more context, then, like, I don't know how much we want to talk about, but he's basically a prisoner here. Like how well, we don't know how much or, or who caused him to be a prisoner right. or why he's a prisoner I suppose, or what yeah. he's held prisoner right. by. True, yeah. Uh, so we don't really know any of that. I mean, but we always knew he was possible. He was a- capable of creating life because yeah, he, he created the cat Bubastis. I, I guess it's more just like I, I want to know the details, but we probably we'll won't find know. out. Well, I bet not we'll everything. They'll probably. Sure. I mean, we'll find out who put him there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one other character, and this is probably. One of my favorite original characters that they've introduced in this show, besides Angela, obviously, because Angela's, you know, the best character in this because she's, you know, the main one. Yeah. Uh, we get the most background with her. But Lady True is also really interesting, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. She, we get just a, t- uh, like, a, just a small taste of, like, what her role is in this, uh, in the fourth episode, which is the final one we'll be covering on this episode. Mm. Uh, because it's kind of interesting. There's, like, this family who lives, like, on this house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And they get, like, a doorbell ring at the middle uh, of the night. And uh, Lady True and like her like lawyers are with her, and she's like, "Listen, I'd like to buy your house." And they're like, uh, "What? It's like four a.m." Like, no, <laughs> like, don't you know me? I'm the one building the Millennium Clock, like that freaky looking device out on the horizon. Yep. And uh, they're like, "Well, I I don't know. I mean, this house isn't really for sale. Like, maybe we can talk about this later." She's like, "No, I need it tonight. Like, I'm gonna buy this right now." Yeah. And yeah. Then she puts like a timer on the table, and that's what I'm like, "Oh my god, you need to sell her that house. Yeah. I don't want to see what happens when you run out of time." Right. Yeah. Literally, like a like a an old school like timer that you flip upside yeah, down. Yeah. What do they the call sand. those? I don't, like a sand timer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. 
But you, everyone knows what we're talking Hourglass. about. Hourglass. Hourglass. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you. Hourglass. God, um, we're such Well, hers was like a two-minute glass, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's like, all right, well, you have this long to decide, but what I'm offering you isn't just money. Yeah. Like, I'm offering you, like, because she, like, has all this background on him that she's figured out. Yeah, finds out she tried to get artificial insemination and, like, couldn't get pregnant. Yeah, and... they just, like, can't have kids, and she's like, listen, like... I'm a genius. I'm a genetic genius. Like, you can have kids. Yep. Like, I, I don't accept no for an answer. Like, uh, and they're like, well, what? Like, how do you know you can like, do this? You're full of shit. Like, we don't believe you. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. Oh, maybe if you can prove that you can do this, yeah. we'll agree. And she's like, oh, no, you misunderstand. Like, I I'm, I, I already did it. Yeah, like, I'm not going to give yeah. you a baby. I already got you a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, they literally bring this the little crying baby in and, like, yeah. here's your daughter. And they're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and, like, the time's about to run out. She's like, I'll need an answer in 10 seconds, so I'll have to destroy the baby. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, I'll find it a loving home. <laughs> I have to destroy the and baby. And then, like, yeah, the mom, like, drops her knees and signs the contract. It's like, you don't know what else was in that contract. Yeah, like, right. she could have just made you indentured servants. This right. baby could be a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tick, 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 boom. All right, congrats. <laughs> you get the baby for a day if you would have read the fine print. By the way, that's not a baby. It's a gas bomb. <laughs> but she kind of reminds me of like a female Vite almost. Like she's, a little bit. She's, she's definitely very eagle maniacal. Like I think those two could like compete intellectually. Like it would be interesting. Yeah. To see um, but yeah, so that's what we'll leave off uh, for this week. Next week we'll discuss probably uh, more. Oh, yeah. We probably should say at this point in the show, four episodes in, the, there you don't see Dr. Manhattan. The only no, thing you see, no. but there's a clip on TV of they show him like trying to build like a giant structure on Mars and it like collapses and that's all you really see. Right. So the where and why and what's going on with Manhattan we don't know. Yeah, of it's yet. all. A I question. think most people are probably just assuming he fucked off. Yeah, he's uh, as far as we know he's chilling on Mars. Yeah. yeah. The only characters who play a part in this are Laurie and Adrian. Yep. Um. I mean, as far as we know, Dan is alive somewhere, but they mentioned that. Uh, because when they're talking to Lori about taking this assignment, they literally say, "Hey, you never know. Maybe they'll you'll get your owl out of prison." So I, th- as yep. I'm pretty sure, Night oh, Owl he kept working. Night Owl was in prison. I think oh, he probably kept working and then got arrested. Yep. Maybe Lori even turned him in. Who knows? Uh, probably. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's an interesting place to leave it. We'll be talking the next couple episodes are more like the origins of these characters. So I think that'll be fun to dig into next week. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we can talk more about like the new origin they did for the Hooded Justice, which I think is really oh, cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's one of the coolest parts of the show. Yeah, because they really took a different spin on one of Alan Moore's characters. But I think added more to it, added more like, a different way to look at it. Which oh, I yeah. Like. It's a way more unique. Uh, and they also gave give us a lot more background on Angela and um, also Looking, Looking Glass, Glass yep. as well, which I think will be fun to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, and then for the third episode, we'll talk about the finale and then um, maybe the last two episodes of the show and then just kind of what we thought about the whole series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that'll be fun to talk about. So, again, if you want to, um, after these three episodes we'll be going back to some fan requests so i think we do still have one because i mentioned if you want to leave a fan request you can uh, sign up on patreon it's only at the five dollar level and you can tell us what episode to pick you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. make us you know do whatever you want <laughs> uh we'll do anything anything i um, didn't say that <laughs> yeah, josh you're on this podcast <laughs> I, I have morals and i draw lines <laughs> um but yeah so if you want to leave a request we also do have if you want to leave a five-star review on apple podcasts we do still actually have one spot open i don't think anyone's claimed yeah. it now listen at the time this episode's coming out someone might have claimed it but oh it's going if like hotcakes if you want to leave um a five-star review we are letting people do a request episode for free mm-hmm. um that's what these first a couple people have done we have a daredevil episode coming up after we're done with Watchmen. Ooh. uh that'll be a lot of fun uh, that someone requested uh so we'll be doing that as one of our request episodes as well so we have some empty space after this if you want to leave it we've got room to do some request episodes yeah there's some gaps in the schedule for yep. sure before birds of prey starts and we'll be digging into that a little bit yep. so i really want to read that gail simone book 
Uh, but that'll be it for uh, this week's episode. Maybe by next week I'll have a working fan because as we were setting this up, Josh <laughs> broke my room. Yeah. yeah, way to go, Josh. Yeah, and maybe I'll have a working mic stand. That's <laughs> yeah, this whole recording. my face. Josh brought over his own mic for this recording. It's in the whole just, I'm just a mess. It's been an ordeal. It's been really, I might not come back. <laughs> we couldn't figure out. Break the, my like, fan. Break my table. Break your own mics. Yeah. Take a, a lot of time to set up. I'm going home. We've got a whole week. We, we can rest up and we'll be ready next time. Guys. Oh, yeah. Ready Go. to bring you Do the Do not business. despair. <laughs> we'll be here. Oh, yes. Watching the watch. See you later.